Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about could Amy Coney Barrett hurt America? What Biden could do in just four years and polls, rallies, and violence in post-election America. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So today in the United States Senate, they are having the very limited debate on the question of confirming Amy Coney Barrett for the next justice to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat, or rather to fill the empty seat on the United States Supreme Court. Very wisely, the uh, Republicans, having learned from their misadventure last time, uh, voted on the question of whether or not to have, uh, ha whether to limit debate or permit full debate on the um, floor of the Senate. As you may recall in 2018, when we had the situation with um, <clears throat> another nominee, Justice Kaufman, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, Kavanaugh, we had the uh, endless ongoing uh, soap opera commentary on national television of the Senate's uh, vote to eventually they got around to confirming um, him for the um, Supreme Court. But the Republicans learned from that process, you just can't give the Democrats in the Senate a moment's uh, effort, a moment's time to push the issue, to contort the issue, because they will use as much time as you take as they can to attack the candidates. So we had today Amy Coney Barrett, the Republicans very wisely voted 51 to 48 to limit debate on the Supreme Court nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, basically setting up for that to happen tonight. So she will be confirmed uh, unless some drastic thing occurs. She'll be confirmed tonight to the Supreme Court. Absolutely no rule prevents her immediately being sworn in as a Supreme Court justice and taking that seat on the bench. So we have a full Supreme Court in time for the elections next week. There are a lot of people on the American left, obviously extremely unhappy, didn't want her to be confirmed, made all sorts of completely pointless, irrational, illogical arguments that somehow, when the Republicans held the White House and the Republicans held the majority in the Senate, they should wait until maybe the Democrats get control and let then let the Democrats fill that seat. Whole different picture would have emerged. But what I really want to talk about today is, is it's actually a, a deeper level assessment of where we are on the Supreme Court. And part of it uh, pivots off of Chief Justice John Roberts. When he was confirmed, Chief Justice John Roberts was confirmed. Uh, you know, he was nominated by George W. Bush and confirmed in 2005. He was considered to be a conservative. In fact, when the left-wing media continues to speak about the Supreme Court, they put him, Justice John Roberts, in the category of the conservatives because he was appointed by a Republican president. The simple fact is, whatever reason, whether it is because the NSA spied on him and has some secret on him, and so they're holding something over on him, whether you had the leftists digging out something out of his past, they either got something to bribe, blackmail, or in some way force Justice Roberts to vote with the liberal majority when he didn't used to do that. Whatever the cause is, the fact is he is no longer, not even just that he's not a conservative, he's not a reliable constitutionalist. He is falling, his, his votes and decisions and opinions are falling in line more with the make up stuff as you go along faction of the Supreme Court. And this is why I want to get around to Amy Coney Barrett and how consequential her nomination is. The Supreme Court, obviously, is the highest court in the, the judicial branch of government. The three branches of government we had in Washington, legislative, executive, judicial, and judicial's job, judiciary's job, is to apply the law, to listen to cases and apply the law, apply the Constitution, apply it to the cases before them. It is not to make up policy. It is not to debate among themselves what policy they would have voted for had they happened to have a seat in the Senate or in any other elected body. Their job is to apply the law. But once people get on the Supreme Court, they have, and they are 
you know, they're untouchable. They stay in the Supreme Court. It's an appointment for life. Many of them stay there for life. And for a variety of reasons that we'll never know, some of them tend to meander from the commitment they made as a, as a constitutionalist when they, when they had their Senate hearing, uh, get the Supreme Court and wander off. But the problem and where we are in this country is that Justice Roberts' willingness to do this in previous, in many previous decisions about his focus on Obamacare. The result of Chief Justice John Roberts' decision, his lurch to the left on the Supreme Court, is that he has ended up joining the policymaking branch uh, division of the members of the Supreme Court. And what that really does, not just Justice John Roberts, but all of the leftist judges who simply refuse to do their job and follow the law, but instead of following the law, they apply, they act as another policymaking branch of the federal government, is you really eviscerate the whole beauty of the founder's idea of three separate branches of government. In fact, what you really eviscerate is the role of we the people. If you think about what the founders did when they set up America, they, they had beautiful statements about the power and the rights of we the people. So if we the people here in America are supposed to be primarily the responsible for this country and the way we get around to self-governance, which is what we're supposed to have here, is that we the people have ideas about government, about policies, about issues, and our job, if you're an advocate for any issue at all in America, your job as a citizen is to convince other people in the country to agree with you. Your job is to be part of the effort to convince the majority of people to believe X and not Y, to pursue this, this path and not that path, to change this about society, but don't change that. We the people are supposed to use the robust power of the First Amendment's guarantee of freedom of speech and be persuaders so that in turn, we elect legislators, whether it's the state legislatures or the federal government, the Congress, the House and Senate, we elect those people to carry out policies. We elect them and we often unelect them. We decide we're gonna call back so-and-so because he or she did not stand for what he said he would do. You know, he or she went off the bandwagon, they did this instead of that. But when you have, so this is the way that we the people retain the role the founders expect us to have. The idea that we the people are self-governing because we choose legislatures, they make laws, and the courts simply interpret the laws. They decide, does the law as written mean X or Y, or does the law as written violate the Constitution? When you have the Supreme Court simply finding new rights that do not exist in the Constitution, the makeup stuff faction of the Supreme Court, it isn't really just that the court is taking the role of the legislature. It is that the court is robbing we the people of the power the founders intended us to have. If in America, the robust debate about abortion, same-sex marriage, or any other of the issues facing America, if the debate is happening among we the people, and then we elect people to put those policies in place, the majority wins and gets a, a, a policy moving forward that support, that gets legislators who support some policy, then the system is working as it's supposed to. What the liberal activism, the Supreme Court justices and other federal and state court justices who just make up stuff as they go along, what they really accomplished is eviscerating the role of we the people in self-governance. They are taking that away because they are ignoring the legislature. They're acting as a super unelected super legislature and ignoring and eviscerating the freedom of a free people to self-government. That is the really profound role that Amy Coney Bear can help bring the court back to, which is limit the court to what is supposed to be. She's going to essentially, people keep saying, well, now it's going to be a 6-3 conservative court. At very best, it's going to be a 5-4. Justice Roberts cannot in any serious consideration be considered in the conservative branch of the court. And he's chief justice, and he'll probably stay there till time, you know, till he is no longer able to handle the job or until he passes on. He People get these jobs, they stay there for life. So you have, uh, and this, uh, this, nomination of Amy Coney Barrett and the decision tonight by the Senate to confirm her is really going to be bringing about the affirmation, the renewal, the very exciting renewal, uh, rejuvenation of the role of the people, of we the people in self-governance 
uninterfered with, not any longer having our right of self-government interfered with by a court that t acts as a super legislature and ignores the policies that the legislature has put forth and makes up new stuff. It's a great, it's a very profound role really that Amy Coney Barrett can do, bringing America back to the idea of the three separate and equal branches and those branches honoring and, as they say, staying in their own lane. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So actually in this court packing thing, uh, and, and turning to our next um, segment of the show, you know, we're, I want to talk a little bit today. Uh, we're going to talk about what Biden would do in four, uh, what could Biden do in four years? The reason we're talking about this, that's a kind of a funny thing I mentioned, I think one day last week is my husband and I were at some function and um, with some friends who aren't as political as we are. Um, and one of them had said, oh, I went and voted already because in Texas, you know, we've been voting for a while. I voted already. I said, oh, boy, yeah, really big year, tense year. And this friend said, yeah, but how much damage could Biden do in four years? Now, to be clear, I think this person votes Republican. I think they probably voted for Trump. But I thought that was a great kickoff, a great launching point for a really serious conversation on a deep dive Monday like today. How much damage could Biden do in four years? Because some people who maybe don't like President Trump's tweets or his personality or his life history or some other reason they're upset with President Trump, they kind of think, well, okay, I don't like Trump, even though I like some of his policies, so how bad could it be? I'll go ahead and vote for Biden this time because, you know, Trump, things are sure rocky in America under Trump, so maybe we're better off voting for Biden. So I want to dedicate the rest of this show or most of the rest of the show for telling you how bad it could get if Biden were to win. In the final segment, we're going to talk today about whether Biden, how we're really doing in the polls. But I want to really lay out for you how bad it could get if Biden wins. To, for, to be really clear, and everyone knows this, but Biden, as you, if you watch him at all, is not, um, he's no longer mentally of sound mind. Uh, he is suffering some form of dementia. He gets confused, off track, says something he doesn't mean. Um, I have really pretty much avoided playing those on this show because I feel like it's making fun of, of someone who's obviously seriously struggling. But I'll play just one little clip to remind you about how confused Biden is uh, in these days. And um, I think this is a, um, I, and I actually, Matt the Wonderful had the audacity to take vacation. It's unbelievable. But I have Derek, who's also wonderful here today. Um, and so actually, Derek, this is, I didn't number the clips, but it's from the article um, where he's from Fox News article uh, about vote fraud. I want to play a quick clip by Joe Biden. We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the president Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Okay. Secondly, That's we're in a situation. Almost a Freudian slip. I mean of course, his defenders say he didn't mean to say they put together vote fraud. Well, they have put together, the left has put together a massive vote fraud effort in this, this election cycle. Obviously, he was trying to say, you know, uh, we're trying to prevent or uncover or something vote fraud, but they have put together, yeah, what he said is what they've actually done. And that's just one of many. He had one recently where he said something like he made reference to thinking he's running against George W. Bush. But the real point of this segment, I want to I want to just try to really uh, deep dive in and talk about why this election is so consequential and why people you may know or maybe you yourself are on the fence thinking, well, you know, uh, things sure have been divisive in America under President Trump. So maybe a vote for Biden can just get all take the pressure off and, you know, we'll move forward. How bad could it get? How much damage could Biden do in four years? Let me just start with the issue of covid. In this, on this show, and on, if all of you are uh, news, you pay, uh, you're kind of news hounds, you watch for news all the time, you've heard other places where this has happened. But just on this show, we had a doctor named Simone Gold. She's been very outspoken. She's a California-based doctor. If you want to go back and look on YouTube or on any places you find my show, go back to the October 21st show. Dr. Simone Gold was on my show in studio, and she's basically talking about the idea that COVID... COVID-19, the coronavirus thing that we have in America, 
No reason at all to be panicked. No reason to be having shutdowns. No reason to have American culture and society shut down. No reason to have schools closed. No reason to mandate masks. No reason to mandate social distancing. Among the kernels of great wisdom she passed along and you should pass along was the idea that the tiny little microbe that is a COVID-19 microbe is one one thousandth the size of one strand of human hair. Her point being, no mask anyone in America is wearing can keep that out. No, no mask. Masks are useless. And as she pointed out in the show, we're going to have, you know, there, we have masks being mandated. They do no good at all no good at all, and they have a very detrimental effect on our culture, our society, our ability to, to interact. She, Dr. Gold, spoke about the idea that we have a health care issue with respect to COVID-19, something to handle, but we have a constitutional crisis. We have a, and she's a lawyer too, a constitutional crisis in this country because we've been surrendering our freedom in response to the fear that is being put out by the federal government about COVID-19. And Dr. Gold is not alone. There are dozens, in fact, hundreds of doctors in America and around the world trying to sound the alarm bell, trying to say what we're doing with, in response to COVID-19 makes no sense at all. She pointed out that masks, if you do research, before the time COVID-19 came along, try researching wearing masks to prevent catching a virus. There's nothing, in fact, Fauci himself wrote previously, it's pointless. So we're in a place though, where we have masks being mandated at, at various levels by state and local government. We have the federal government, and there was the most astonishing thing. In fact, Simone Gold called me the same day she was on the show. She's back in California later, called me to tell me that the NIH put out a new, uh, it's not a ruling, but it's a new information, a, a new uh, recommendation that essentially said that all of the therapies that are available, that people who are suffering with COVID-19 are taking and finding to be effective, all of them, says the NIH in a recent edict, all of them should never be given to a patient unless they're already on the hospital on a ventilator. I mean, the level of dishonesty is unspeakable in that. And so, so that the people who have on this show, we've had, uh, we've had Dr. Richard Bartlett from Midland, Texas, talking about how he has found tremendous positive results from inhaled budesonide, which is a steroid, treats COVID patients with that, who are struggling for breath, who almost instantly feel better, who get better in 24 hours. We have hydroxychloroquine being advocated by Dr. Gold and hundreds of other doctors, on the ground doctors treating patients, and yet you have the federal government, you have the federal government putting out an edict saying you really shouldn't be giving all these medications out that are working for COVID-19 patients until they're already on ventilators, already can't breathe, and they're saying already dying. The idea that our government is telling doctors in this country they should not be prescribing a medication that doctors are telling them works. We're living in a twilight zone on this topic. So back to my point about what Biden can do in four years. Imagine for, because right now it's happening, one doctor who was added to the coronavirus task force by President Trump, Dr. Scott Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas is pointing out, he's been saying, there is no reason to be wearing masks. He's been talking about the efficacy of various treatments. He's been talking about the idea that the entire response in our country to COVID-19 and in the world, the whole response was unjustified by the lethality rate, unjustified by the danger. We have a 99.9% or 0.8% recovery rate for pretty much everyone in America. And yet we are being told the country still may have to be shut down again, and the country still is shut down in many places, mainly in Democrat states. And then you had Joe Biden come along, and this is another clip I sent to Derek, the also wonderful, uh, and this is uh, Biden and his views on a mask mandate. Biden and the mask mandate, if we can play that one. This virus, 
First, I'll go to every governor, urge them to mandate mask wearing in their states. And if they refuse, I'll go to the mayors and county executives and get local masking requirements in place nationwide. As president, I'll mandate mask wearing in all federal buildings and all interstate transportation. So you have to get this idea when the doctors are telling the government and telling the American public that that COVID-19, well, you know, of course you have to take care of yourself. You should take good care of yourself and get care if you contract it. That people there in these own doctors experiences, they're in the thousands and they're in the tens of thousands of cases completely through the reliance on these therapies being suggested. There's another one that President Trump was treated with while he was in the hospital with COVID. Uh, I think you have remdesivir, one of the ones, whatever he had. The point is there are numerous therapies. Doctors say they're working. Patients say, I got better. This is great. And you have the federal government issuing the NIH thing, which just said, and again, it says NIH, their caption on their announcement, no treatments recommended, no treatments recommended for COVID-19 patients without supplemental oxygen, without being on ventilators. I mean, this is a, this, this is an order to kill people. What the NIH is putting out, it's an order to kill people. To say to doctors, you've got these great treatments, everyone can see they're working, but don't use them, heaven forbid, no, 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 no. Make sure they're already in the hospital dying and then maybe you can try these things. So what Biden could do in a guy who is committed to saying he's gonna mask mandate, you're gonna have everything about the COVID treatments that are that is shutting down the economy, shutting down people's lives, forcing businesses to close, forcing people to stay at home. All of that will be multiplied in spades. I mentioned Dr. Scott Atlas, who is serving on the task force for coronavirus under President Trump, but his own tweets, his own speeches, his own comments, a doctor who, does, who was placed on this coronavirus commission by President Trump is being shut down by the media. The only voice he has is if Trump might say, hey, you know, I think Dr. Scott Atlas had a good point. What do you think will happen to America under COVID-19 if Biden should win? What do you think? Do you think that he, Biden, will begin to listen to doctors, that he will say, hey, wait a minute, what are these doctors saying about masks not being helpful? The doctors who are in favor of the freedom of the American people, they're having a hard enough time already getting their message out with a relatively friendly Trump administration. But imagine if you have the Biden administration. They're all about mandates, they're all about masks, they're all about shutting down. And there's an even deeper point about COVID. In, in this day where we're talking about how bad could it get under coronavirus. You may recall, I mentioned Dr. Gold being on my show. I've also had Dr. Bartlett, Richard Bartlett be on my show. I've had other doctors who actually treat COVID patients. They're all talking about the idea that COVID is not a pandemic, we are overreacting, and that we are surrendering freedom, especially Simone Gold has been art articulate and outspoken and passionate saying we're surrendering freedom. And this gets me around to my deepest point about COVID. We are watching in this country the impending Marxist takeover of America. That is not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration. This is where we are in this country. If you did not, by the way, catch a show I had recently, I had Trevor Loudon on my show. Trevor Loudon, an enormously consequential researcher, enormously, uh, he uh, happens to have an Australian accent. He's from Australia, and he, but he's an American and he writes in America. He's done deep research and we talked about, he was on my show, if you wanna watch it, October 15th. He has done research to connect the dots between the organizations in America who are backing the riots, backing the destruction of property, backing the riots seen all over this country in Portland and Chicago and Minneapolis and just at Kenosha, all over this country. And America was being told that those riots were the result of people being upset about the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. Fortunately for us, if you heard Trevor Loudon, if you didn't go back and listen to it, he did the deep dive research to point out the organizations 
and the money behind the organizations that are fomenting and funding and encouraging this violence. All of it stems from Marxism in this country and ultimately the Marxist communist roots going all the way back to communist China. He connects the dots for people who want to understand the facts. The organizations in this country, organizations in this country, in ideologically and financially and through their leadership, connected with the Chinese Communist Party, connected with the Marxist movement that seized on the opportunity of the George Floyd incident to begin to foment violence in the streets in our country, try to blame it on George Floyd, but the fact was this is bought and paid for, paid for fomented revolution against America as founded, against the very founding of America. That's what we're watching. As Trevor Loudon pointed out, the Marxists in this country, we've had the communists in this country since 1920, the Revolutionary Communist Party in this country, but their leader of us, Baba Vakian, has been saying, hey, 2020, this is our time. We're going to take over America. This is our opportunity. Revolutionary Communists of America Party is telling America we're going to take over. The violence you're seeing in the streets, never condemned by the Democrats, never condemned by anyone in the American left, creating unrest, funded by, orchestrated by, controlled by the radical Marxists and communists and the Communist Party of China. And we're watching us in our streets and those groups for decades working to, uh, to destabilize America, to teach America's youth that America is not a good and wonderful country, that capitalism is evil, that socialism, Marxism, communism are the answers. This was the crescendo. This is the, this is the building up to where they got to in 20, first 2016. They thought they had eight years of Obama the Marxist doing all sorts of Marxist things in our federal government. And then they thought they had in 2016, they thought they had Hillary all set to come into power. She's gonna come in. The plan of these organizations was to have Hillary immediately within the first 100 days of her administration legalize all the illegal aliens in America and all the numbers range 22 million is a very conservative number 22 million illegal aliens in this country legalize them all get them all not just legalized but made citizens with a right to vote and that was going to be what the revolutionary communist Marxist socialist left in this country that, that was their mission. They would have the permanent left-wing, anti-American, Marxist majority in this country, and we would lose America as founded. And this is exactly what Hillary and the leftists had planned for 2016. Fortunately, through God's protection, we did not have a Hillary victory. So now we're here in 2020. These same leftists who thought they had it all figured out under Hillary are seeing this election, this opportunity, as the time they're going to bring to finally to have this overthrow of freedom in America. And one pathway they found, so they've created violence in the streets, created fear in the streets, tried to blame, you know, the left is, this is happening in left-wing states, in left-wing cities, fomented by Democrats, fomented by the left, praised by AOC, praised by all the radical leftists in this country, never condemned, by any of them, and you had that all going on, and then you had COVID-19 come along, which as even Jane Fonda, still a radical leftist, commented on, her quote was essentially, COVID is a gift to the leftists in this country. COVID is a gift to the leftists in this country. The left in this country have used the crisis of COVID as not even a crisis, the appearance of COVID, the challenge of COVID, used it in this country to justify putting into place the growing government power in Washington, the, the, the kind of, they're conditioning the American people to feel like, well, we, you know, we have to surrender our liberty. We wait to be told by our mayor, our city council person, or our county judge, or, or the governor, or somebody, whether we're allowed to go outside, whether we can open our business, how many people we can have in our business, where we can stand, what we have to wear, mask, or whatever else is, how close we can stand to people. We have in this less than one year since COVID's been around in America and creating policy, we've had a substantial shift in the American population and the electorate to where we used to think 
I mean, January of this year, we used to think you get up in the morning, you decide what you're going to do, where you're going to go today, you're going to go to your job, you're going to go to your business, you're going to open your business, you're whatever you're going to do. And now we have been, or some portion of the American people, but people have been conditioned to think, I wait to be told what to do. I wait to be told if I can go to work. I wait to be told if I can go to the store today. I wait to be told if I can open my business and if I do, how many people, how many customers can I have, what I have to wear. And this is all in the face of the doctors in this country, as we've been on this show, cataloging, saying masks do no good at all. This is not a crisis. We do not need to be shutting down America. So you have, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to get at what I'm telling you people when I'm saying what Biden can do in four years. Biden, and he won't be in charge. It'll be Kamala Harris and whoever she brings in as her VP because Biden's going to be out of the picture within 24 hours. He has no idea what's going on. But it's going to be Kamala Harris and whoever else the Democrat radical Marxist left brings in to support her continuing to utilize COVID as a means of bringing, shifting the culture of freedom in America, shifting the political assumptions Americans make. We have in this country since our founding assumed we have the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and we decide where we work, and we decide whether to open our business today, and we decide whether to wear a mask, and we decide whether to open our business, stay home, or, or be sheltered in, and we have within the 10 months or so as COVID's been around in America, we have seen a radical effort by the leftists in this country to not just order masks and social distancing and staying home and shelter in place, but even worse, it is an insidious infection into the minds and hearts of the American people that causes them to not even realize they're surrendering their freedom. Instead, they're being good and cooperative citizens and they're going along with the government who says, oh yeah, I'm not allowed to go out today, so I guess I better stay home all day. You will see the loss of freedom in this country on steroids if Biden-Harris win. Because the left recognizes the anger over the George Floyd incident compounded with the COVID, you know, the invasion of COVID in America. You will see them treat both of those incidents as justification for massively increased government power, massively increased government control, massive changing of all sorts of laws, regulations, policies, and assumptions, all not because they're telling you we are engaged in the Marxist takeover of this country. It's because they're doing it. They're doing it in front of our faces. And this is why, for those of you who can't figure out why some of your friends are so adamant about not wearing masks, so adamant about not socially distancing, it's because those people are enlightened enough to recognize the leftists in this country are using COVID as a means of changing the American mindset, changing our very way of thinking about freedom and how much freedom we have and who decides how much freedom we have. You will see Joe Biden and his administration use COVID to continue to the drumbeat away, taking away from Americans their freedom, taking away their idea of their, um, of their right to run their business and hire who they want and have people in their business. Uh, I mean, you just, it has been a, well, this is a kind of three points I'm gonna hit about COVID, uh, hit about uh, Biden and why electing him, you talk about what could change so much in four years, because when, if the Biden-Harris, whoever else she's gonna bring in team are done in four years, you will have an electorate in this country. You'll have a majority electorate in this country. Submissive, subservient, completely abandoning the, the notion of self-reliance, the notion of a God-given right to live in freedom, the notion of the government has, is a limited government designed to be limited by the powers the Constitution says it has. You're going to see, and this is what the leftists are euphoric over, is they can use COVID to take away the whole cultural fabric of freedom in America. You'll find in four years, a majority of people simply saying, well, you know what? COVID came along, so pretty soon we weren't allowed to go here. We can't go there. We can't travel. We can't get on airplanes. And the left has used COVID, to be clear, in a very similar way to what the left tried to use climate change. Climate change was another agenda issue. The left used the climate change argument 
to argue that government should get to control what kind of car you drive, where you can live, what kind of heater you can have in your home, your water supply, and how whether you have access to it and who's allowed to control your water supply. The entire climate change industry, the radical left-wing climate change industry, was another vehicle the left used to work away at, to chip away at the commitment of our Constitution and our founding ideas of America that we that individuals have rights, have a right to freedom to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness from God because they were born. The founding ideas of America cannot live in the same political universe with socialism, Marxism, communism, leftism. They are utterly opposite. They cannot live together. The founding ideas of America promise freedom. The founding ideas of Marxism, socialism, communists from the very starting point Communism, socialism, Marxism are all about the idea the government has power, it decides what is allowed, what is not, and the people wait to be told what's allowed. That's the funding pre- fundamental premise. The government owns everything, they control everything, and they tell you how much freedom you can have. That's what communism, Marxism, socialism are all about, and leftism in America today. On the other hand, America's founding idea is that we have we the people with rights from God because we were born. The fundamental assuming starting point in America is that we have God-given freedom and we the people decide how much freedom or what we're going to agree the government can control. Obviously the government we have we have to have laws to prevent crime so that we it doesn't laws don't prevent crime but they outlaw criminal actions and so we have a way to get people who are dangerous out of society. We have a way to defend our country from foreign invaders. We have to have a military, we have to have a strong military, we have to have borders. We have government do some functions that are legitimate, but the fundamental premise of America is that people have the right to live in freedom. This is what the left can't live with. The leftists in this country, the Marxist, socialist, communist movement in this country that has completely taken over the Democrat party, completely controls its its agenda, its platform, its policies, the way it speaks, its whole mission, the entire Democrat Party's agenda has been taken over by the radical left in this country. And this is how much damage they could do, not just individual policies, but the continuing chipping away at, wearing away at the fundamental premise of freedom in America. Another thing, so you talk about how things could change in four years, not just will we have COVID restrictions telling you which day you're allowed to breathe or whether you can get medications you want because the, le- the government is now taking them away from people. But you have all sort. You have the change in assumption, and that will carry over into the ideas of whether or not you can possess weapons. The left is never going to say we're going to eliminate the Second Amendment. They're going to, in the same way they use COVID to chip away your freedom, they're going to use promises of safety, love for their fellow citizens, and concern about violence to take away the Second Amendment right of Americans to keep and bear arms. That constitutional amendment being there to promise to give the people a means of protecting themselves from tyranny. The Second Amendment is not there for skeet shooting, hunting, or even self-defense in your home. The reason for the Second Amendment is to guarantee that people in this country is to keep the balance of power between the people and the government. It is to make sure the government understands the people are primary. We, the people, are primary in our formation of our country and policies. Another thing the left can't stand. So you will see under Biden, you will see, or whoever's really running the country, you'll see the gradual taking away of weapons, increasing of regulation, controlling who has access to weapons, lengthening of all sorts of requirements. You'll have registration. You have more and more means of taking away the right of the individual to live in freedom. You will also see, as the left continues, it's, it's just relentless takeover, this tyrannical takeover, you'll see things like, I mentioned the censorship of Scott Atlas, a doctor who is supposed to be serving on President Trump's coronavirus task force. But if you think that Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media giants censor now, you wait until the leftists run this country. You wait and see what happens when the leftists run this country, when you have leftists deciding 
whether or not some in, there's been an undue interference with your freedom of speech. The left will find reasons to outlaw hate speech, to put you in jail for hate speech, and hate speech will come to mean anything that you say that's contrary to the left-wing agenda in this country. People, the left is hell-bent on tyranny, on Marxist tyrannical control of this country. You can't even begin to list all the ways that will be manifested if they have the White House, the Senate, and the House. These are not ordinary political times. These are times when we have seen the culmination of a hundred years of the left working to bring communism, Marxism, not just bring, mainstream, legitimize, make appear to be normal, the normalization of communism, Marxism, socialism, leftism, all of that ugliness of the left this is the 100-year mark on their effort to bring it to America, and they're not going to give up lightly. I'll tell you the other things we could talk about. I don't want to get into it too much. I'll do it another day. But um, we talk about how much life could change under Biden. Um, there is the issue of taxes. And I just have a quick clip to play. We'll get into this another day. What the Biden tax plan would mean to you. Because you might think, sounds good to me, what do I care? He's only raising taxes on people who earn over $400,000 a year. That's not me, what do I care? Everything in our economy will change. I'm gonna have Derek at the Wonderful Play in just a moment, a clip that Biden, a little thing that was, it's not Biden speaking, it's actually a, um, a left-wing, amazing, a left-wing journalist trying to tell America what Biden has in mind uh, for this, this is um, raising taxes, uh, the YouTube uh, label raising taxes. And why don't you listen to this and just recognize to raise those kind of taxes is going to change not just how much money the government has to create new programs, but it, again, it's a massive big picture shift in America. Do the people own the wealth and they pay taxes to government to do necessary government functions? Or does the government own everything or most things and they let you, the people, know how much of your own money you can have? Derek, I'll quick play that clip. Well, the truth is that Joe Biden, even though he's portrayed as a, as a moderate, is offering the most expensive Democratic tax plan that we've seen from any Democratic candidate in recent history. Hillary Clinton's total plan was $1.5 trillion. Biden's plan is $4 trillion. And basically, it's because he's raising the ordinary income tax rate on, as he said, those who make more than $400,000. He's raising the capital gains rate to be 39.6 from 20%. That is by far the biggest capital gains tax increase ever. And then he's raising the corporate income tax rate from 21% to 28%. Add all of that together, it's $4 trillion in spending, 1.5% of GDP. That would be a 1.5% decline in GDP over 10 years. And the question is not so much, is this what the Democratic Party wants? Because of course it is. But is this the right time to do it? And I was a little surprised that Biden basically said yes, no matter what's happening in the economy, we want to raise. Right, we're going to run out of time in the show. I want to make this point. We're going to get into dive in because all you people out there are thinking you don't really care if Biden has a huge tax plan because after all, it's not going to hurt you. You have to understand if he takes money away from the job creators, the business builders, the, the impact filters its way through all of the economy. There won't be jobs. There won't be new businesses. If he takes it away, if he says, you know, we're just going to punish all these, these job creator types, the end of the day, the American people suffer. And I will just tell you, this one quick study talked about it. Given what Biden is promising, his economic agenda would necessarily destroy about 4.9 million jobs and reduce the annual median household income by $6,500. The average Joe will suffer under this plan that Biden has. And we're gonna talk a lot more about that. 50 cents, the rapper came out when he finally realized that Biden was gonna do it to his taxes, said, no way, I'm for Trump all the way. We're gonna do more on Biden's tax plan tomorrow, but understand to sum up this, la this uh, segment, what could Biden do in four years? He could render America subservient, helpless sheep by his pressing on COVID-19 fears, spreading those fears, spreading regulations, shutting down, shutting down all sorts of normal commerce. He could, through his tax plan, through his tax plan, render Americans simply unable to, to be uh, 
to be job creators, to, to have their own capital, their own property, their own wealth. This is a man who happens to be the guy that the Democrats got over the finish line, the primary, who is now their candidate for president. Doesn't matter at all whether you think he's a nice guy or he, whether you think he's in charge of his mental faculties or he's not. He's a guy that's going to put forth the radical leftist agenda in this country. America will never be the same. And we've talked the other day, I forgot which guest we had on, we were talking about the idea how many people that uh, under President Obama's term, he planted and seeded, as in slipped in to all sorts of high level places in the federal government. People who agree with the Biden radical leftist Marxist agenda, people who stayed there, they were holdovers. So as the new people came on board, and it was Rich Higgins. Oh, you should listen to Rich Higgins' interview too if you missed that. Rich Higgins served the National Security Council talking about, you soon recognize the National Security Council was filled with Obama holdovers who were unwilling at all to go along with the Trump agenda, the new president, but thought their job was to press the Obama Marxist agenda in this country to undermine the president. There is almost no limit to the damage, not just financial damage you can fix with a new piece of tax legislation that changes tax rates, but the fabric of freedom in this country has already been seriously under assault from the left under COVID and with and also use the climate change argument to uh, the assault on freedom. People we won't recognize our country. It is that serious. I want to hit one last thing. I don't have very much time at all left, but I want to hit just extremely important um, things about where we are. I called this segment polls, rallies, and violence in post-election America. So to start with on polls, I am sure if you are attentive to politics, you've seen a lot of polls. You've seen the ones that are that are saying, you know, essentially that uh, Biden has this all wrapped up, you know, that all, all done with a shot and Biden's going to win. In fact, uh, that 538 website, 638, whatever it is, I always forget the name of it. But uh, they said, they say, 538, they say that um, Biden is going to win the White House. The Democrats are going to win the Senate and the Democrats are going to keep the House. So this is what 538 is predicting. And they have all sorts of polls and they go all over the place, all over creation about, you know, this state and this race and this Senate race and this House race and all this, and they have tons and tons of data. And I understand if you are a supporter of America, if you love freedom, if you don't want our country to become Marxist and you don't want to have, therefore don't want the Biden presidency, you may feel like, oh my gosh, all is lost. Please believe me. Not only is not all lost, in my guess, and I am going to go way out here and say it, I think President Trump is going to win. And the reason I think that is because I can use my eyes and watch the world and not just rely on a bunch of polling done by people I don't know, by organizations that got it heavily wrong in the 2016 election cycle, and most of them are leftists and they're hankering to get rid of Trump, I think that President Trump is connecting with the American people. In fact, I'll tell you one thing, this is a great little polling piece if I can find it quickly, but did you realize for all the uh, grumbling that the left is claiming that, you know, that uh, Trump's in trouble and, you know, they, they think they've got it all done. Do you realize what his approval rating is? Trump, what it is? You have uh, in direction of the country, uh, President Trump job approval, uh, it's, it's a, um, and now I can't find it quickly nationally, a job approval by Rasmussen plus six, meaning 52% of Americans approve the job Trump is doing, 52% approve, 46 disapprove. There are all sorts of rankings that aren't gonna make it into the polls. In fact, and there's also a pollster who actually was an outlier in 2016. He predicted Trump would win, and he's at it again. He, this guy, uh, he's a Trafalgar Group, Trafalgar Group, and the pollster's name Robert Cahaly, C-A-H-A-L-Y, Cahaly, and he's basically saying Trump has got this. And the reason he's saying it is he talks about all the people who are polled, who are, he uses the word shy, I would use another word. I think people are so bullied by leftists in this country, they hate to even acknowledge, even to a pollster, 
who they support. Easier to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm with Biden all the way. This guy says they're polling, very confident Trump is going to win. But I want to encourage you to trust your eyes, trust your ears, trust the news stories you read. When you see, I mean, literally, when Obama, the famous, you know, the guru of the American left, Obama, went to do a rally in Philadelphia for Joe Biden, he couldn't get whatever it was, 25 people there. It was a joke. It was, there was no enthusiasm for Obama. There's even less for Biden. He's now announced nine days out, whatever it is, eight days out from the election, that he's putting a lid on his campaign. And maybe he's not going to end up doing that because other people say, oh, no, 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 he's going to do things. He's barely out there. Trump is running, you know, three rallies a day. Every place he goes, he has Americans lined up outdoor down the street. In fact, I have a very quick clip. If Derek can play this quick clip uh, at this, um, before this, um, I don't know which one it was. I think it's the third one. No, I'm sorry, Trump in New Hampshire. Just a quick clip, Trump in New Hampshire rally. Right now, the Real Clear Politics Average has Joe Biden up 11 points in New Hampshire. 11 points. And we just walked a two or three mile line of Trump supporters just lined up to get in here to guys today. Biden's not up 11 points. Biden is not up 11 points. There is real support among him. And I think that is why the president is here today. Just because of the line right here. Okay, I have, uh, you know, I could, in fact, I'm going to bring in and, and try to do tomorrow. So many clips of all the rallies. Trump is doing three a day, flying everywhere, you know, high energy, arriving with passion. People lined up at the airports in the streets, lined up ahead of time overnight in the rain to get in to listen to him speak. And it's not because these people are sycophants. It's not because they think he's, you know, they're, they're worshiping him. They love what he's saying about America. They love the reaffirmation of America. They love seeing a guy strong enough, determined enough to speak up for this country. They love it. And I will tell you, I understand what the polls say, and I don't buy it. I think Trump is going to win this. I think he's going to win it because what he's saying resonates as true among the American people. And what Biden is proposing for this country, what he's been doing to this country, the kinds of ideas he is floating for this country, like ending fracking, seriously, and, and increasing taxes by $4 trillion, I think there are plenty of Americans who might understand it's not trendy to say it, it's not popular to say it, but they know that Trump is on the right track and Biden is scary. I have labeled this segment, and I'm going to have to do it another day. I labeled this segment to talk about the threats of violence after the election. In fact, I will get to it tomorrow. I think it's important to understand ignoring the polls is one thing, but being alert to how deeply invested the communist Marxist socialist left is in winning this election and in convincing their own followers that the only way Trump could win is if he cheats and the only person entitled to be president is Biden and therefore the left is setting up the radical leftist marchers in this country, the radical leftists who are many of them paid, many of them are actually Marxist, communist, leftists, but they're setting them up to justify violence after the election. And I'll leave this teaser, I do need to end the show today, but I'll get you to this tomorrow talking with you about the violence being threatened, the specific violence being threatened, the plans being, they're putting right out there on the internet. You know, we're gonna rally here, we're gonna show up here, we're gonna refuse, and they're gonna refuse to stop protesting until Trump agrees to step down. I'm telling you this because I think that the best remedy to fight these people is have a massive Trump victory. Massive, on election day, massive Trump victory. But I also am telling you that just because if we get to election day and we don't have an answer on November 3rd and we're waiting for counting, understand the left is planning to make America feel unsettled, dangerous, make America feel nervous. They are determined to try to paint the picture to the American people that clearly Biden won, but Trump is trying to steal it. Do not listen to them. Do not listen to anything these crazy leftist Antifa BLM protesters have to say about the election outcome. 
I do not believe the majority of Americans want the radical danger the left would bring to this country. They do not want it. They want America prosperous. They want the riots to stop. They want the president to use his power to stop the riots. They want to have a law and order return these cities. They want to have their country back. They, and what we need to be doing as patriots is do not listen to them, do not get pushed around by them, do not assume that, well, you know, since there's so much anger, probably somehow Biden really won and Trump is trying to steal it. I don't think so. I mean, at some point we have to have an answer, we have to have an outcome, but I feel sure that the outcome is going to be that President Trump is going to win because what he's doing forward to America is exactly what America wanted a restoration of love of America, a restoration of freedom, a restoration of free markets and capitalism. They want a strong America, again, with borders, with sovereignty, with, a, with American jobs, with freedom and capitalism. This is what America wants. The left needs, the best thing of all would be an overwhelming Trump victory and moving forward, even if Trump wins in a landslide, and even if the Republicans increase the majority in the Senate and the Republicans take over the House, even if all that happens, the battle to restore America is ours. It is ours. It belongs to every generation of patriots. And it's our turn this time. It's our time. It's our turn to be the ones to reassert America, to stand up for America, to reject everything the radical left says about this country to reject the lies they paint about America's culture and fabric and goodness. And it is to change what children learn in schools so we don't have another generation of America haters graduating from high school and college, but we've turned back to respecting and re restoring the idea and goodness of America and it being taught in the schools. We need to have a radical overthrowing of what the left is trying to do in this country, a restoration of America. And no matter who wins, we have to be doing it. It's our job. It's our duty as people, as, as we have inherited this country, this enormously important, uh, unique experiment in human liberty America, we've inherited from our founders. It's our generation's turn to fight to restore it in whatever way it takes. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start out today's show with could Amy Coney Barrett hurt America, which is what the left is trying to say. Reverence for the uniqueness and exceptional nature of the Declaration and Constitution ought to be the singular essential qualification for any justice of the Supreme Court. Amy Coney Barrett has it. John Roberts has lost it, assuming he ever had it. Knockdown, drag out, SCOTUS nomination fights are entirely due to the fact the left views activist judges as the means for implementing policies that the legislative branch would never support because the people who elected them don't support such policies. A constitutionalist or an originalist like Amy Coney Barrett restores the Supreme Court to following the Constitution, not reimagining it, which helps restore the three branches of government to following the Constitution, which helps restore America as a constitutional republic which preserves the fundamental role of we, the people. Amy Coney Barrett can be a positive force restoring America. She will, she should, she will be confirmed tonight. What Biden could do in four years, Biden's COVID policies alone are an extreme danger signal. He's aware of the pandemic opportunity to reset American freedom and move farther toward government controlled medicine. Mask mandates and big tech censorship of COVID remedies, they're part of totalitarian government in line with COVID tactics and all doable in four years or less especially if Kamala Harris is in charge. Climate change as the excuse to ban fossil fuels and control housing, transportation, and energy. Big tech mainstream media censorship in COVID and Hunter's laptop, which we'll get to tomorrow. Hunter laptop arenas signal a path to censorship and control of free speech. Can't say what big tech says violate their standards. And free press, mainstream media, permanently ingrained as Orwellian voice of the state with other voices sanctioned or banned, eviscerating the Second Amendment through controls for safety and public health. Besides all that, for trillion new taxes, average household immediately down 6,000 plus with more to come. Biden's agenda is catastrophic for America and freedom and in less than four years. 
and polls, rallies, and violence in post-election America, the election is the only poll that counts, and it has not yet taken place. And by the way, the Trump internal polls look very good, very good in many states that the left is claiming that they think that Biden is up. Trump's internal polls, any campaign's internal polls are far more reliable than uh, the alleged polling companies. Trump rallies have and are, counting, and are continuing to take place with or without Trump's presence. Enormous crowds, two-mile waiting lines, spontaneous boat parades, car parades, patriot marches. The eyes do not deceive polls can and do deceive. Election day turnout for Trump may be historically high. In a fair election free of fraud, Trump would win in a landslide. He's got a 52% approval rating at this point. Polls and mainstream media coverage conditioning and justifying post-election unrest if Trump wins. Show up and vote for Trump November 3rd. A landslide is a force for law and order. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?